This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Heartland Sonnet, and the poet is Stephen Higgins, and Stephen joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Stephen. Hello, how are you today? Well, this is quite a monumental accomplishment, 320 sonnets. That by itself deserves some recognition, so congratulations there. I had a lot to say. (laughs) You had a lot to say. But before we start and hear some of your sonnets, for those of us who are not quite sure the definition of a sonnet, help us. Uh, Well, a sonnet is 14 lines long, 10 syllables per line, and there's a a definite uh, set rhyming pattern to it, although I have kind of deviated from that in my book with uh, what I call my New English format. So you have about 50% are the New English style. Yeah, uh, probably right around uh, half of the sonnets through the book are in that uh, new format. Is it's it? similar to the uh, the Shakespearean style, but it's, uh, uh, it is a, a little different. Still three quatrains in the couplet, but there's only three rhyming patterns uh, instead of the seven, uh, as the way that uh, William Shakespeare would have written them. And you also have... One that's written just like William Shakespeare would have written it. Yeah, I I did include one Shakespearean sonnet in the book just to let people know that I can write that way too. So do we have to discover that one by ourselves, or <laughs> uh, actually, I would prefer that. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that kind of uh, tempts the reader into going to go. the book to find the. Well, the big question is, why do all of this? Stephen, why write so prolifically in this kind of very demanding discipline style? Um, I hate to use the word gimmick, uh, but that's actually uh, what I did. Uh, in fact, because I had so much to say, uh, nobody's going to want to read a book about what Steve thinks, but they would want to uh, read something more... Uh, uh, and the word you, that you keep using, prolific, um, something that uh, that would entertain them as well as give them uh, some kind of idea about my conservative views of, of Kansas lifestyle, where I'm from. So this has everything from, like you say, your thoughts about Kansas lifestyle, but at the same time it delves into titles like admiration oh yeah discipline dedication uh, self-reliant so you have a lot of just personal values that you comment on yeah uh exemplifying uh work ethic championing the human spirit and uh all those that you just uh mentioned are also about uh the uh the young lady that I wrote about in the book it's not just a bunch of poems that are thrown together uh there is a a main theme and a focal character throughout the book, and uh, that is Michelle. I nicknamed her Little M. And as the reader goes through the book, there is uh, uh, many occasions where you'll find a, a Little M 
down at the bottom of the page indicating where I uh, have written about her as she inspired me to write. So uh, it's just as much uh, about her as it is me. She's a very wonderful person. Well, you've been single forever, or I guess it isn't forever, but you've been single to so this far. time, and so is who is Michelle? Uh, Michelle actually uh, was uh, the gal that I started writing about. Uh, writers typically will, will write about who they see or what they see around them, and she uh, was the gal. I, I live in a very small town uh, here in South Central Kansas, and she was the gal working at the uh, convenience store here in our small town. And I chose her to write about uh, just because, well, uh, first and foremost, she was there, and she didn't object to me writing about her, so I uh, went ahead and... <laughs> so you and asked her first, huh? It just basically built up the book around her. So she knows you're writing about her. Oh, yeah. She was. Uh, she just came over uh, Monday and got her... Uh, a signed copy of the book from me and, and was very happy to see it. She's so, very excited about it. So this isn't an engagement or announcement or marriage or anything. It's just that oh, no, you, you like married. to, uh, you, you just wanted to pick, what's that? If you can believe that, she's actually very happily married and has four <laughs> kids. She has a family of her own. All right. Well, this is, this is very different, Stephen. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that means that you're just very different. Uh, have a different perspective on life. Well, we're all different, right? We all have a, and you oh, have certainly. the ability, though, to capture your feelings and thoughts and design them in a very, very precise way called a sonnet. So, without further to do, let's hear one of your sonnets. Well, uh, actually, uh, I will go ahead and, and recite one to you here real quick uh, to uh, explain the. Uh, the design of the book, it's broken down into three sections. Section one being the observations, section two, the portraits, section three, the emotions. Uh, it's all pretty uh, self-explanatory. What I would like to do for you now, since we were talking about Michelle, is to just go ahead and, and uh, recite the uh, sonnet that spawned the book, and that is in section two, the portraits, and it is Portrait of Michelle. Okay. How can one measure the size of her heart, her smile, her eyes, and her features to pine, and sit and ponder as if to sublime, one is so taken aback with a start, to know how her life had been torn apart, and yet so cheerful and never to whine. She never seems down, but always seems fine, not to show her pain, for she is too smart. The type of person you just want to know, it's hard to say with mere words and phrases, and so demure and gentle as a dove, and where she is, know that friendship will grow. How big a heart it truly amazes. There always seems to be room for more love. Well, what did Michelle think of it? Um, she actually, when I first showed it to her back in August of 2007, two years ago when I wrote it, uh, <laughs> uh she wasn't very uh, responsive to it at first, but uh, like I said uh, a week ago when she came by to pick up the book, she was very excited. Now, in, in this section of portraits, I see all kinds of portraits. You're, you're titled them Portrait, like Portrait of Michelle. And as I look down this list, I see all women. Isn't that something? Even the, te <laughs> even the tender barkeep must be a woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, she is. I, in fact, I just uh, gave her a, a copy of her book uh, last uh, Thursday. She's a, a bartender in a casino, 
believe it or not, at a Native American casino uh, near uh, where I live. I like to do that, too. That, uh, that kind of encompasses one of my uh, series sonnets. In fact, the, the first that you'll find in the book, uh, it's like a, a short story uh, as you're reading through uh, the book. Gives you a little bit of a break just from reading one individual sonnet after another, where I actually talk about what it's like going into a casino and, and all the different games that you can play, like slot machines and craps and blackjack and, and roulette and poker. Well, do you want to share that one with us, or do you want to do the one that you were talking about, about the astronauts, about NASA? Oh, yeah, the, uh, the uh, NASA. Actually, uh, I would definitely love to share with the listeners, uh, after all, uh, this past July, we did uh, just commemorate the 40th anniversary of the landing on the moon. And uh, if you want me to go ahead and read it right now. Go right? ahead. Okay. Uh, this, uh, this one is entitled, One Small Step. Aldrin's, uh, Aldrin, Collins, and yes, of course, Armstrong, to scratch the surface of a distant place, to risk the danger into outer space, to prove to ourselves no journey too long. The lack of success would have been so wrong, so on to proceed on lunar to grace. No challenge so great for humans to face, so far from knowing the ending swan song. In such short time frame, the challenge was met when mankind had first taken to the sky, harnessing power and then controlled flight. Glider to piston to vector thrust jet, then giant candles to propel us high. Mankind leaped forward to broaden our sight. Now, what kind of a sonnet was that? That one was actually a Petrarchan sonnet in the Italian style. Just so like, so uh, the traditional one. Yeah, one of the more traditional sonnets. And a Portrait of Michelle was also a Petrarchan sonnet. Now, you also uh, want to make sure everyone understands that this is, obviously we already know, I think, but your book is, is not just love stories, love right. poetry. Uh, which often, the, uh, often sonnets are identified with that, correct? Yeah, uh, sonnets uh, usually uh, indicate love poetry. What I've done is I've used the book and the, the, uh, the sonnet format as the vehicles to essentially express my uh, opinions about uh, what I see is of just daily life. Well, give us another one. What, where, where would you like to take us? Well, uh, there are some uh, rather frivolous, well, we all need a little bit of frivolity in our life, so let's venture off there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm actually uh, kind of punking the institution of marriage when I write Identity Theft. The first thing she does is to take his heart, and from the altar she then takes his name. With his freedom gone, it is all the same. He is not aware, just like from the start, as his money too, which he soon will part, for she is cunning and good at the game. He willingly gives without any shame a victim to her through her wily art. If he should fall short, she would surely dart. While her look can kill, she is a sharp dame to leave him behind if his love is lame. Her wiles, once so sweet, will soon become tart. Is hers such a crime for day after day? He the fool submits as his human way. Well, every woman just put, pulled the, the arrow out of their heart. <laughs> <laughs> And probably put it in mine. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, you you told me that you're committed, right? Single forever? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I I actually. That's feel that's I'm a, a dangerous a, statement to make. Right, I feel I'm a a confirmed bachelor. 
Never been a ring on my finger. Never, never want to be one. But you've got I'm, all these portraits. There's one of these women that are going to come by and go, you know, just get your attention. <laughs> uh, you never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. But whenever uh, anyone asks me if I'm married, I always tell them, no, I'm intelligent. And that kind of gives them an indication that, well, he doesn't oh, want to be married. Uh, no, I'd say that is very precise in how you feel about it. <laughs> this is quite an art. I mean, I'm I'm very very impressed. Of uh, you know, I'm not a uh, sonnet writer, nor have I ever attempted to write a sonnet. Probably never will. But it is quite an art, and you have obviously very uh, very well developed this discipline. Practice makes perfect. Is that it? I would uh, kind of like doing math, huh? Uh, yeah, I was good at math in school. Maybe I could even do this. It's a it's a definite pattern that can be learned. Anyone uh, can write about this, and uh, I'd I'd like to make mention of my publishers at this point. They've been there every step of the way for me, and I really appreciate them and uh, helping me to make my dream come true. Well, it is something that is uh, uh, that I've wanted to do. for a little over a decade now, and I finally uh, brought it into a reality. Well, let's hear another one. Now, have we taken one from your section called The Emotions yet? I was just getting ready to read you one of those. Thank you. Uh, that uh, The last one that I read you was one of my New English-style sonnets that differs from the, the Shakespearean. And uh, this last one, uh, the, the lingering thought that I want to leave with the listener is uh, also one of my new English style sonnets. Uh, if they listen for the rhyming patterns, they'll, they'll understand. And uh, also, this is one of the uh, sonnets in my book that contains an embedded acrostic. Once you read the sonnet, you look at the first letter in each line, and it spells out uh, an extra little surprise message for you. And there's 15 of those in the book if, uh, if there's anyone out there that wants to uh, try and find them all. <laughs> all right, all right. A game in, in inside the sonnets, a game to play. Yeah, little puzzles to solve. There you go. Uh, this, uh, this one is entitled Not So Naughty. From the beginning, a riddle to know, one true feeling that we all have inside, using each sense for the heart to abide, ruling out logic to make foolish show. Love is the answer, so just let it grow. Each one of us can never stem the tide. Too futile to stop, so just let it slide. Then it will happen and then take you in tow. Endure the pain from whence passion did throw. Rejection will hurt and not be denied. Why must we all try to cover and hide our own tender heart as if it were foe? Real thought within soul and body as well. Deny not the urge so easy to tell. Now, once you have read the sonnet, you look at the first letter in each line and it spells out four-letter word. And that's the... uh, the lingering thought that I want to leave with the listeners and the readers of the book. Love is a four-letter word, but it is not so naughty. Very good. Very good. Now, you you talk about the challenge of writing this book. You say digging up those emotions deep down inside. Hard for a guy to do. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, it's uh, it, In my opinion, it, it's so easy for a woman to emote, and, and it's so difficult for a guy to emote. We always try and walk around flexing our muscles, being all you know, such big, strong men. I actually think it's much uh, more of a show of strength for a man to to actually uh, be able to open his heart 
uh, and be candid. So do you think that Sandy, Rhonda, Jody, Natasha, Hallie, Marie, Dawn, Kara, Tracy can open up your heart, or April, Michi, Tama, Tia, Quincy? Uh, These are all the portraits, ladies and gentlemen, in in section called The Portraits. You're naming off all the gals in the portraits. (laughs) They already have opened my heart. Oh, there you go. And my heart goes out to every one of those ladies, (laughs) young and old alike. Well, congratulations again. Congratulations for this great accomplishment of publishing a book and also of, of writing so many sonnets and doing it in a much different way. And then, of course, your new style. Now, is this your style, uh, just your style, or is it done? I have never seen anyone uh, write uh, a sonnet quite that way with that set rhyming pattern that I created. So, uh, But then again, I, I'm not really sure. Uh, Someone else may have already done it, but uh, I'm the one that got it copyrighted and published. I'll put it that way. (laughs) Very good, Stephen. Tell us how to get your book, Heartland Sonnets. Uh, It is available uh, right now through uh, uh, direct from the publisher at authorhouse.com. And also uh, it it is available at amazon.com and and Borders and Barnes & Noble and and other uh, major book chains uh, all across uh, the country. Well, we appreciate you sharing all your innermost thoughts in a very creative way. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for having me. That was Stephen Higgins. He is the poet of his book of sonnets called Heartland Sonnets. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. They flourish on a secluded farm 3,500 feet above sea level in Hinotega, Nicaragua. These coffee beans grow in the shade of hardwood trees and banana plants, thriving in the rich organic soil. Shade-grown coffee grown at higher elevation has a better quality. There are two benefits, a slower growing cycle for the plants that allows time for the sugars in the bean to mature and the natural composting from the nitrogen-producing canopy. And now you can order this international gourmet coffee online at nicaraguasbestcoffee.com. Order 12-ounce and 16-ounce bags or save with a discounted price by ordering in large quantities. Three different coffee beans available, Arabica, Marigold Gaipe, and Green Oro. Prepare to enjoy the richness and the soothing flavor of some of the best-tasting coffee in the world. Order online at nicaraguasbestcoffee.com and enjoy Central American flavor, aroma, and richness of Nicaragua's best coffee. It's the chance for you to hear firsthand from authors on why they write their books in their own words. It's called iUniverse Radio, hosted by Steve Jorgensen every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 Central on TogiNet Radio. iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio, every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 Central on TogiNet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge. Sending a heartfelt message is one of the best ways to touch someone, to touch the heart. But it's easy to forget birthdays, anniversaries, and other special occasions. Imagine how many lives you would touch if it was easy to send those heartfelt messages. Send Out Cards provides a way for you to send a personalized greeting card to a friend, loved one, or business associate in less than 60 seconds from the convenience of your computer. You can even add a gift or gift card. 
Send Out Cards is about helping people reach out to those around them. It's amazing what a simple message can do. Send Out Cards helps you act on your promptings to reach out and change lives. Show host Michelle Bateman has learned through personal experience what it means to be an eagle by always working to be your best self. Please join our conversation on Send Out Cards Radio with Michelle Bateman to learn what it means to be an eagle on toginet.com. Radio with a cutting edge. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, From a Window or Two, Memoirs of a Distant Mind. And the author is Alan Burton. And Alan joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Alan. Well, this is a very interesting, as I put it, moments in time or episodes in your life that you just felt needed to be recorded at that moment. Is that true? I'd say that's rather accurate, yes. I, I, uh, I like trying to, uh, as they are memoirs, I like trying to just sort of catch the, the moment that I remember and try to... Uh, write it as concisely as I can to uh, really just to remember it, you know. Uh, and I've found through time, through the individual stories sharing them, that they seem to be enjoyable and or thought-provoking to others who have read them. So there's no theme here, there's no plot, it's just that moment in time that experience that you're having at that moment, whether it be uh, something that people would say, well, that's interesting, and, and maybe there's moments where people would say, well, that's absurd. Yes, very much so, uh, both of them. Uh, there are moments in time, I mean, they're chronological in the sense of they, it takes place in about a 10-year period. So uh, they go through the years, but they're not, Nothing necessitates reading every single episode, as it were, in sequence. Um, and some are interesting, some are humorous, some are thought-provoking, some are possibly you know, depressing or not so introspective. Um, but all you know, moments that a lot of us have uh, that we like to remember one way or the other, I mean... A lot of us will recite at a gathering or something, an event that happened to them, uh, something that happened at home, something that happened at work, that they remember because it, it clicked somehow. And that's what I've attempted to do here. So really, you could pick this book up and turn to any place in the book, and it would fulfill your purpose? Basically said, yes, it would. Um, <clears throat> The, the, it's written in sections, not chapters, and each section, all the pieces therein, uh, any, any order that they're read in would be fine, and any section that you open to also, like you said, would, would satisfy. Um, it's just that the general focus will tend to alter section to section. You know, but specifically, any any piece you read anywhere in the book would uh, would 
promote the idea of those moments in time that you're capturing. And of course, um, these, six, these sections have interesting images when you, your first section says, fish out of water. <laughs> the second section is confessions of an after-school teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, let's go, let's go, uh, let's talk about, uh, back to school and just kind of give us some, that moment in time that became an episode in your book. Well, it was, uh, it was a very interesting one. Uh, my son who was living with me, I, I was living, uh, <clears throat> on a lake, uh, in Massachusetts and, um, uh, my son had come to live with me. Uh, I divorced and we have joint custody, but he came to live with me full time. Um, and he was coming home from school first day or so and with new homework and all. And he's rather good with mathematics and I'm thoroughly hopeless with mathematics. And um, so he came to get help with his homework, which of course was destined for abject failure, but this is, this is uh, a little story about you know, him trying to uh, trying to, to, to get something out of his father that unfortunately his father was thoroughly inept at being able to do. And uh, the resultant conversation. And, and, you know, after it was written, I went back to him, read it to him, and, you know, he was able to uh, correct some of the sequences in the conversation as he remembered them. And, you know, I mean, I tried to do that sort of thing again, just to get as close to as accurate as, as it actually happened. Um, and as I remembered it, all the other, other people involved remember it the moment to be. Well, these have a format. Uh, you're a newspaper uh, writer. You've, you've columns and, and reports, articles, and so you kind of have a format to these episodes. Tell us about, about, you know, about that, how long it would take one of us to read one of these well, episodes. Well, each, each little story is, uh, depending on your reading speed, probably eight to nine or so minutes. Um, they're, they're very simple. I, I do not, I am not uh, a complicated or sophisticated writer, um, and I most definitively do not try to be, which I think is a, is a good thing because I would fail at that too. But um, they're simple because you can read through them very swiftly and all the points and the, the moments are, I hope, easy to experience as you read them. Um, the thing that was not at all done on purpose was that the general sort of length of these stories that I began to, as I began to write them, ended up being approximately the length of um, some of our local newspaper column, word length of the columns that were written. And so I was able to eke my way into the uh, journalistic profession via <clears throat> doing 
a lot of these stories as humorous columns. And from there, went into doing, um, becoming a freelance journalist as well, which is a different style entirely than this. But um, it it was it was interesting to me that it was thoroughly by accident. It was not at all planned. But the the stories are very short, and that way it also. I mean, I think if you are reading, if you're sitting down and reading several, if there's one that doesn't particularly grab you, you can zip through it awfully quickly and move on to another one that might. Well, the titles of these episodes, there's some uh, real creativity in some of these titles because they, you know, you, you, just from the title you want to go, well, I better read that one. Uh, well, what one hopes. <laughs> that one is hopes the plan, right? Type. Yes. Well, you know, like this one, Ode to a Road. <laughs> That was that dead-end road you lived on, huh? Well, uh, it was the road that led to the dead-end road. Ah. I mean, and a lot of, a lot of the reason for, for writing all of this in the very first place was that, you know, I, I, I'm somewhat of an isolationist. I moved to the end of a dead-end dirt road on the only peninsula on a little lake, and you'd think that that might be a perfect setting to be by yourself. But heaven forbid, the opposite, of course, was the case. And all this stuff kept happening every day that was just, to me, I found the entirety of it rather absurdly funny, that all this would happen to somebody who wasn't really um, particularly well-versed at being around lost people all the time and, uh, you know, wasn't a sort of a a group-type, gathering-type person. And just one thing after the other, it was just, it was never a dull moment, you know? And I think that that's what I've found. I mean, as, as insignificant as a life is, uh, it's, not a, it's not been dull in the slightest. Well, I think we would all admit as we look through daily life that just about every day something happens that goes, whoa, that, that made me think, or that was close, or <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I'll never speak to that person again. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's so true. I think that happens an awful lot. And... Uh, <clears throat> And I there's some that, meaning about life in all those experiences, and that's what you're trying to focus on. Absolutely. Uh, I, I do not have the... I do not possess the skill to uh, and the mindset to write fiction. I have tried, and it's a thorough abomination. Um, I just don't... I don't think the way it's necessary to think in order to compose such a thing. Um, but this, there was just so much going on, it seemed, small, tiny, minuscule moments that I could pick up on that I found fun to write about, and people that I did know, uh, family and a few friends, seemed to really enjoy and encourage me to, to do more that I found that there was, you know, wasn't necessarily a plot, but there were a lot of characters and a lot of things going on in, in the stories to, uh, 
make it worthwhile trying to remember them and jot them down for others, hopefully, to uh, be able to muse over. And your memoirs must total over 150. Oh, stories, you mean? Right. Oh, oh, episodes, yeah. They do. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I haven't, don't believe I've really given it an active count. <laughs> I, uh, I remember putting, you know, the, the book together, and there's a lot of the what to leave in, what to leave out uh, that goes into the self-editing part, you know, before presenting it to in any format to possibly be published. But um, I don't re- recall actually trying to count all of the individual pieces. I think what I did was I just tried to get as many moments in each section that uh, <clears throat> that I thought would convey the different aspects of, of life at that particular moment and then move on to the next sort of section of life that was going on. Here's some more, here's some more titles. Uh, six O'Clock Analyst, I Am a Woman, a Second Story Man, uh, Football. Well, that sounds like... You're, do you like football? <laughs> uh, actually, no, I haven't a clue as to how to play it. But again, that was, that was actually my son. Uh, coming downstairs for the first time, dressed in his high school football uniform, you know, and I basically threw the car keys at him and ran. You know, I've never <laughs> seen such a thing close up. This was, this was a, a creature that I was not familiar with. Um, no, I, you know, it's just things like that. I, I'm not a, a football fan. I'm actually rather fond of tennis, although that's not evident in this book. But um, If we were to highlight something about your book that you said, firstly, the women in my life and our differences, which I chose to view in a, in a humorous vein. Yes. Well, I think that I was very fortunate in uh, um, relationship I was having at the time, particularly because, um, I mean, I think that all of the, the differences that one has with anybody, be it the same sex or someone else, you know, friend, parent, or, or uh, relationship, can be viewed from, I mean, you can be, you can, you can have that sort of antagonism, anger, frustration, uh, stress, all of that. You know, that's sort of a choice. Or you can find a way to not not have any of that by just, I don't know, it's sort of uh, getting a little inside look at how the other person is thinking and encourage that an explanation of that thought or more examples of it. The more of which you get, the funnier it seems and the funnier uh, any negative reaction to it seems because there's no reason to have one, you know, unless it's something obviously nasty. But, you know, I mean, just the difference in um, how men and women, or how uh, I and she dealt with clothing, 
articles of clothing, um, uh, sort of unspoken dress code, um, you know, th things like that, how you, you know, just different items that, one, if you can look at them in a certain way, it's just the differences become almost endearing rather than uh, a, a matter of conflict. Well, Alan, it sounds like a very, very unique, which life is filled with all kinds of unique experiences, and, and that's what this is all about, and we appreciate you sharing your book with us on this episode of Author Talk. Well, thank you ever so much for your time and courtesy and offering me the ability to do so. Tell us how to get your book. Well, you can get it through Barnes & Noble, Borders, and Amazon websites, and you can get it directly through AuthorHouse. And I'm sure you can order it through just about any online bookstore. Yes. Those are just the ones that uh, the, I know Amazon uh, orders Barnes & Noble and Books a Million. There are quite a few that you can get it through. Well, thanks again, Alan. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, sir, very much indeed. That was Alan Burton. He is the author of his book, From a Window or Two, Memoirs of a Distant Mind. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Maybe if I write a book, it will be the thing that keeps me alive. Those are the troubled words of a new 16-year-old author with her first thought-provoking book, What Gives? Published by Togi Entertainment. The author kept a diary during her dark teenage times, which turned into a 360-page suicide note with a happy ending. Texas Monthly describes teen author Chelsea Marie and her new book, What Gives? in this provocative way. We've plunged from page to page, not because of the young diarist's despondency. Depression is not especially attractive or compelling but because we are fascinated to see that while she is fending off demons on one hand, she is writing verse with the other. What Gives is available at whatgivesbook.com and national bookstores. Readers of What Gives are giving rave reviews. All social scientists, teachers, and students should use this book as a learning tool. What Gives is available at whatgivesbook.com and national bookstores. The American Rock and Roll Count. So where were you in the 1970s? Well, this Saturday morning, we're going to flash back to the 70s as we count down the classic hits with the American Rock and Roll Countdown. You'll hear news and information and stories about the artist and what was going on during the specific week that we highlight. So be sure to join us at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time this Saturday on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. He's a diehard American. He's right, and he has the last name to prove it. He's Jason Wright, the host of The Right Side of the Aisle on TogiNet Radio. Jason is a father and self-made entrepreneur who turned a struggling East Texas real estate firm into a top-notch million-dollar company. Jason Wright loves America and is very concerned about where we are headed as a nation. He's dedicated to traditional American values. Jason Wright. Join us every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern for The Right Side of the Aisle on TogiNet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk. 
Brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Vesuvius, and the author is Alex McDonald, and Alex joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Alex. Good evening. How are you? Doing great, and great to have you on the show. Now, this is a murder mystery. Why do you write murder mysteries? Well, I was involved in law enforcement in South Florida for 37 years. Um, I originally got into law enforcement because I wanted to be a writer, and when I was 14, I decided I needed to know more about life and people to write good books, so I joined the police cadet program and kind of fell in love with the profession and got hired two weeks out of high school. I was the second cop ever hired in the state of Florida under the age of 21, and after about 12, 15 years, I started writing magazine articles and then decided it was time to start writing the books I'd always dreamed of writing. So I guess you've seen about every murder plot. Well, not every <laughs> no, one. No, I know, There's not every one. new one, but I've seen plenty of them. You've seen plenty of them. Well, Vesuvius, now that's an interesting title. Why the title Vesuvius? Well, basically because um, there's a line in the book that says that serial killers don't just explode like a volcano. They tend to work up to it. And basically the title has a number of different meanings because the main character of the book is struggling with his own demons and he's finally going to explode back into life and get get back into the business of living and also because the serial killer has been doing this for a while and didn't just erupt like a volcano. So the main character, the protagonist, Ali Castillo? Castillo. Castillo. Right. Now, Ali is a policeman. Yes, he is. Now, is he uh, a detective or? Well, Ali's a homicide detective that um, is struggling with an alcohol problem. He's a former boxer. And like many people in the world, myself included, he's kind of struggling with uh, the realization that he's gotten older and can't do things he used to do, just like I did right before I retired. I used to be able to chase people for blocks on foot, and when I retired, I preferred to let the radio chase them. And just like people in their early 50s, they're discovering and having new awarenesses that they can't do things that they used to be able to do when they were 25. So he's struggling with some grief as well, right? Right. His wife was killed in a car accident, uh, which caused him to become an alcoholic. He's also struggling, like I said, with growing older and the realization that he can't do what he used to do when he was in great shape as a boxer 20 years ago. And those are basically his main struggles. He deals with a lot of guilt and um, feels like he shouldn't be alive, that he should have died with his wife, and how unfair that was in life. Now, right at the beginning of the book, we start out with a crime that has been committed. Right. And he gets involved with that, and that's, that's, that's the start of this long, winding plot of the book. Right. The first murder is the murder of a which Ollie discovers a gay man. And then he discovers that there is a serial killer killing gay men. Um, He's teamed with an FBI profiler who is a female who he's attracted to, but he feels guilty being attracted to her because he feels like he's being uh, unfaithful to his 
late wife, and that's another struggle he's dealing with. So is that Stevens? Yes. Well, tell us more about Stevens. Um, Jamie Stevens is an FBI profiler who is assigned to work with Castillo on the homicide. Um, Ali being a raised in a Latin family and having a macho attitude has a different perspective about gay men. I guess you would say he's kind of homophobic a little bit or doesn't accept that lifestyle. And um, Jamie Stevens, the FBI profiler, tries to kind of bring him to the realization that things are not always as they appear to be and not to judge people by the by their appearance or by their lifestyle. Tell us about, uh, now is this profiler, or do we get into what that is all about? Uh, there seems to be, you know, there's TV shows that have all kinds of uh, profilers in them today. Is that is that a, uh, a unique part of murder mysteries now, or is this something that is fairly common? Well, when you're attempting to solve a homicide, you have to kind of, whether it's an FBI profiler or whether you're just a detective who's the lead investigator on the case, you kind of have to get into the mind of the killer and figure out why he did what he did and what his next move's going to be. Much the same as when I started in writing and wanted to learn more about what people do and what goes in their minds, I decided to get into police work to learn that. And you have to kind of realize what their motivations are and discover why they do what they do and how they do it, which is basically what an FBI profiler would do from, you know, the TV shows that are out, Criminal Minds and a few others. That's basically what they do is get into the mind of the bad guy and figure out why he does what he does in order to catch him. Is this also an inside look at police investigations uh, from all the different uh, elements that go into an investigation? Well, it doesn't go too in-depth into the investigation because um, I don't want to give away secrets right. that I know. And 99% of an investigation is talking to people, knowing how to interview people and picking up on little things that they say that lead you to another step. That part is in the book, you know, interviewing different people and things like that. But there's not a lot of um, forensic and scientific uh, information in there. Now, we have the antagonist. Is that Vance? Right. His name is Sander Vance. And tell us about him. Well, he actually isn't using his real name. Um, He's using the identity of a real estate agent that he killed, and that is basically how he's targeting his victims by uh, specializing in selling real estate to the gay community. So he is, I guess, an upstanding citizen in most people's eyes. Yeah, most serial killers are the guy next door. You would never suspect them. And this is just a portrayal of... I mean, that's real life. That's real life. Well, I better go meet my neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you don't want to know your neighbor. Maybe I I better bring you with me. (laughs) Yeah, very, very possibly. Well, give us some, uh, you know, give us kind of, you got to give us a little bit of 
the the plot uh we know obviously that he's killing homosexuals but is there uh obviously there's a lot of twists and turns what what can you tell us about the storyline to just give us a little bit flesh it out a little bit well i don't want to give away too much no nobody will want to read it but basically castillo's investigation he discovers that this is not just a serial killer who's killing for his own motivations. There are other people involved that have their own motivations that are using him uh, basically to fulfill their own agendas, shall we say. Okay. So we're, we're dealing with other people in the community that may appear to be uh, the upright citizen. Right. And he is tied into... Uh, that, that agendas then. It's usually about money, right? Well, no. Most people's motivation has something to do with money somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somewhere. All right. So, all right. Um, now, does he have uh, allies in the police department besides uh, Stevens to help him? Or is there any other characters that uh, are an important part of the story that we need to know about? No, he doesn't have allies in the police department. Nobody knows who he is. Um, his one ally is his boss in the real estate business who doesn't know that he's a serial killer. She just assumes that uh, he is what he appears to be and who he appears to be. Um, but when it becomes known who he really is and what he's been doing, she kind of tries to use her political influence to... Uh, hinder the investigation, and uh, of course, in any investigation in any police department or FBI, there are bureaucratic egos that want to get involved and take credit for certain things. So there's that element, too, of bureaucratic infighting. Now, you also explain that there is chaos and politics of a hostage situation, so we're going to have some some kind of a standoff. Yes, we are, but I don't want to give away too much of it. But the climax of the book will grab you by the throat and hold on to you until it's over. There is this romance between Ali and Stevens that is kind of goes throughout the book, in and out of the book. Right. Um, they're attracted to each other, but like I said, uh, Castillo, Ali Castillo doesn't want to give in to his feelings because as many people who have lost a loved one can attest to, it takes a long time to let go of the past and reach for the future, and that's part of what the title Vesuvius means, is climbing the mountain to a new future. My style of writing, uh, and I've been told by uh, some editors that I am too prolific in describing scenes, but everybody that's read the book says that you feel like you're in the story, like you've stepped into it. And when I was young and I used to love to read and still do, my favorite kind of book is one that you feel like you've stepped into the story and you're a part of it. And that's one of the reasons that I published the book the way that I did was I find a lot of times editors and publishers want you to write inside the box. And I think that's just style. Every writer has a different way of doing things, and I've been told 
and hopefully I succeeded when I wrote the book, that you step inside the characters and you feel their emotions and you feel their pain and you feel their joys. Um, the very first part of the book will introduce you to Ali and his mindset and what he goes through mentally that a lot of people have gone through and are still going through. Well, and that comes out of all of your experiences as a police officer, really understanding the mind of, you know, the the uh, policemen and also probably uh, having a lot of uh, the analysis of the criminal as well. Right. It, it's an understanding of why people do what they do and how they think, and I think it's it's sort of a, an analogy or analysis of real life. You know, I want to write stories that people can say, I felt that emotion or I've been there. And I feel it draws the book into your heart and makes you enjoy it more. And hopefully that's what I've done with my writing. I know in my first book, everybody was very impressed with it. And, and the first thing they said was, I felt like I was right there in the story. I can see what you're describing. And I think a good book does that. It's like watching a movie while you're reading it. You can be part of it. And this is the start of a series of books with these characters in your uh, most recent Vesuvius? Well, no, the first book, everybody told me that it should be a series, but I had already started Vesuvius. Actually, I was almost finished with it. So my first book, Sawgrass, the characters in there may become a series, and if a lot of people like the characters of the second book, maybe I'll have two different character series. You just love to write. I do. I, I find it's a very, very fun way to think. It's a difficult job. Most people think, oh, you wrote a book, but when I go up and I work on a book for hours at a time, and I come out, my wife says, you have brain fog, because you're trying to create lives out of your own mind, and that's the challenge and the fun of it. You create people out of different parts of characters that you've known or different parts of people that you've known and try to put them into a, a totally different person and put their feelings and their emotions and their joys and their sadnesses into one person, and that's the fun part, is creating the characters. Well, Alex, how do we get your book? Uh, the book is available from any major bookseller, Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com. Uh, the best place to order it, of course, is from the publisher, AuthorHouse.com. And hopefully it'll generate into being in bookstores soon. Alex, do you have a website? Yes, I do have a website. It's Alex J. McDonald. Dot com. It's A-L-E-X-J-M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D.com. And at your website, we can uh, learn a little bit more about the book and the characters? Right. There, are, there is a sample page from each of my books and a little bit more information and where you can order it. Well, we appreciate you being on Author Talk and sharing this unique murder mystery. Well, I appreciate your time, and I uh, hope everybody enjoys the book. That was Alex McDonald. He is the author of his book, his crime thriller, Vesuvius.